You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome once again, everyone, to Sovereign Self. I am your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your fabulous and wonderful co-hosts are Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. And as always, we send you our love positive energy and healing energy which you are free to use at any time past or in the future because it will always be there for you and we do wish you all the best and with that i'll get into tonight's into tonight's program on this program of sovereign self we promised you that we would tell you a bit about ourselves and our spiritual paths we felt it was important for you to understand our stories and provide you with information about our path to spirituality and being a sovereign self. Now for me, I started off my spiritual path when I was very young. The main turning point for me into the concept of spirituality started when I was in Sunday school at my church. I was nine years old. Even at that age, I had the intuition and awareness that certain things, but not all things, I was being told by the church were either contradictory, incomplete, or confusing. I have discovered that part of who I am is speaking my truth as I saw it. This by no means meant I was always correct, but I would always use what information I had to ask further questions and explore a bit more, and a bit more, and a bit more. As a child, this was not well accepted within my church or even outside my church. It took me years to understand that many people prefer easy answers, whether correct or not, and refuse to explore further. This is where I discovered that each of us have a connection to God, or the universe if you wish, that is real and a part of who we all are. I also realized that most people do not realize this, but that most people did when they were young children. I remember watching other children one by one get battered down when they asked questions that the adults could not answer. They were intimidated and pushed to conform, and when they did not, they were further ridiculed into submission. I could see the slump in their bodies and energy when they finally gave in. Now, I was always a stubborn person, and still am when it comes to speaking my truth. I was always driven to find answers to those hundreds of questions that no one could reasonably answer. It was during one of these frustrating, stubborn moments where I wanted to point out contradictions to our Sunday school teachers that God intervened and spoke to me. God told me not to ask my questions or to point out contradictions, as I would not receive the answers I desired, and my questions would make me a target, and I would end up just like the other children who gave in and gave up asking questions. At first, I thought it was my imagination, but I soon found out that God is persistent, and over the next several weeks, I was led through a series of steps and experiences which convinced me beyond any doubt that God was indeed speaking to me. While this lasted throughout my childhood, as I became an adult, 
our communications became less frequent and faded away. In retrospect, it was in truth my actions and fears which caused this disconnect, which is a whole other story. Nonetheless, this disconnect from my discussions with God was, in the end, a very positive occurrence. While I would expect many to ask how a disconnect from God could be a positive experience, it was this disconnect that eventually pushed me to discover who I am and how we or I fit into a greater universal connection. It took some years, but I eventually began exploring more and more about spirituality. It was this exploration through discussion with friends, through reading, spiritual teachers, and dozens of courses and seminars that when I put it all together, my experiences provided me with a much firmer understanding about who I am and who I believe we all are. I have considered myself extremely blessed to have had multiple spiritual experiences that were truly eye-opening during my life. Not the least of which is remembering my spiritual coming through into this life, a death experience, and having a love in my life that was so wondrous I would not have ever previously thought it possible. Through all of these experiences and many more, I have not mentioned they all led me to one escape inescapable conclusion about who we are. Everything we each desire to be and everything that we say we desire for humanity can be successfully achieved through our heart and our center of divine love, as I believe our center of love is our connection to all that is. Once I began to grasp this understanding, it led me to test whether it was as solid as I thought it was, and would it always work. And in order to do this, I wrote a book. It is interesting that many people state they have written a book to help others. While this will be true, I have discovered that one of the inherent reasons people write a book they believe will help others is to solidify and flesh out their own thoughts and beliefs. Writing is very cathartic in that it will help the writers determine who they are who they desire to be and help them speak their current understandings. My book led me to the understanding that love is the answer, for it is love that will generate joy, unity, understanding, and freedom in all of us. These five things, love, joy, unity, understanding, and freedom, are what I have termed as humanity's core drivers. In my book and my teachings, I always come back to our core drivers as being the solution to any problem we individually or collectively face. The name of our program is Sovereign Self for a reason. Being a sovereign self is at the heart and is the foundation for solving personal problems, but it goes further than that. Being your sovereign self will set you and humanity free to achieve our most cherished desires. I have found that in order to be my sovereign self, that every facet has been most easily achieved when I come from my center of love. And for my ease of understanding, I have regarded love as having two parts. One is self-love, and the other is the love of everyone and everything else. No exceptions. I have found that many people dismiss love as being too simplistic a notion. At first glance, this may appear to be true. However, in my explorations of understanding love, I came to realize that love goes beyond just the word love. I became aware that love, by its nature, creates and encompasses within it joy, happiness, fearlessness, empathy, understanding, awareness, knowledge, creativity, consciousness, 
self-empowerment, unity, oneness, abundance, grace, health, and so much more. It does not seem to matter the situation or experience. When I examine them through my center of love, I am provided with insights on how to proceed in order to provide me and all others involved with the understandings that would resolve problems and enable us to expand who we are and who we can become. While this exploration with my center of love is a never-ending personal process, my experience has shown me that everyone of us has the potential through our center of love to continually expand into our next highest and grandest state. What I find wonderful is that whether I just take a step or a great leap forward, each of them creates a continuous expansion of wonderment and peace within me. This has led me to my own understanding that a major part of my personal expansion is to share my insights in the hope that what I share I will help others create their own personal state of wonderment and self-sovereignty. And that, in short, I would say is my story. So, on to you, Karen. Do you want to give your story? Wow, thank you so much for sharing that, Martin. That was wonderful. I'm just pondering over everything you said. That was amazing. <laughs> There's a lot there. <laughs> I think what I wanted to talk a little bit with our audience about tonight is the fact that, you know, I believe I've always been on a spiritual path, um, as I believe we all are. But I would say that about, I'm going to guess it about 10 or 15 years ago, I kind of gained a glimpse of what I term awareness. In other words, I believe I was always on a spiritual path, but I didn't, I never named it. And I was completely, in many ways, very unaware of it. And about 10 or 15 years ago, it really started to come to me. And, and the way in which it came to me was through conversations, particularly with others who were at some level of their own spiritual awareness. And in many ways, I was prompted to begin reading and researching and seeking out views that at that time were quite foreign to me. I started reading, I was always one of these people that read fiction novels and, you know, I, I want to say like the Harlequin romance type fairy tales. And that wasn't the kind of stuff I was seeking out, nor was I seeking out murder mysteries or gloom and doom. I was actually looking for spiritual views, religious views, and reading concepts that in, in many ways, as I said, were very, very foreign to me. But that, that kind of got me thinking. And then I, I think the best way I can equate it is that I then got caught up in life. <laughs> and in many ways, I dismissed some of the research that I was doing and some of the thoughts I was having and went back to what I want to term my day-to-day -day living. And much of the time I would reflect back, I was, a, I was always a journal writer. As, as a kid, I remember a small child, I would journal constantly about everything. And I remember a number of years going through some of those journals and thinking, hmm, this is really interesting because I actually renamed the characters. So I clearly had some, some bent that if anyone ever found my journal, I was bent and determined that they'd never know what I was talking about. So much so that 25 years later, I didn't know who these people were either. I had renamed them to TV characters and things like that. And I started to reflect back on my own life and my own childhood. And I grew up as what I would deem somewhat of a, a dysfunctional family. Uh, my father was, when I was very, very young, a practicing alcoholic and later became a, a, a non-practicing alcoholic. And I, I think throughout my life and throughout my thought process, I was very determined 
not to play the blame game. In other words, you know, anything that I, I felt that I deemed that I was doing wrong, I never wanted to attribute it to, oh, I'm doing that because of, you know, this is how I was raised or that was how I was raised. And, and I had this real deep-seated need not to blame other people. And as I started down this spiritual path, one of the realizations that came to me is that it wasn't particularly blaming other people, but what I needed to do was acknowledge my experiences and take ownership for those experiences and understand what they were and and also give myself the freedom to accept that those experiences did impact me in some way or another. And I did I started to come to the realization that that wasn't blame, but really taking ownership for you know, the experiences that I had. So I would say I continued on with, with my life and, you know, day-to-day living and working and so on and so forth. And I would say, you know, a little over two years ago, I had some experiences where I had some major life changes. And for many of us, and it did for me, it triggered me to begin going back to that reflection of my life and my beliefs and that that thought of, you know, why am I at this stage here now? What is it I need to realize? And once again, I started to have those conversations with others and I started to seek out other masters and coaches and do that research and do that work. And I, you know, got involved in taking some online courses and I got involved in doing more readings and, you know, listening to practices that in many ways were foreign to me, various forms of meditation and listening to other people's stories. And I started to, to feel, I, I don't know the best way to explain it, but a lightness in my heart where I felt like I now had some sort of vision of where I wanted to take my life. And through those practices and through those experiences, I wanted to share with our listeners a a moment that that stuck with me. And that was um, last summer, I remember um, being exposed to uh, Deepak Chopra and Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And I I entered into this challenge with a friend of mine to to go through the Seven Spiritual Laws for, for for an entire year. And I, I equate it to kind of if we think about, you know, commercials out there where they talk about, um, and I'm not sure how many of our listeners are familiar with this, but uh, Subway where they don't talk about Monday or Tuesday, but they name it to a name of a sub. I started to name my days to a spiritual law, and that's kind of where my focus was. And when I first started this practice, there was a video, and the video was talking about a particular person going through a labyrinth. And within moments, you know, I'd found a labyrinth online, and it, there was one near to my neighborhood. And I, I drove to this, I, I went with a friend actually, and I drove to this, this park and there was a healing garden and this labyrinth. And this is a whole new experience for me. And I walked through this healing garden. I've always been very, very close to mother nature, but I, again, I, I, didn't, I didn't actually have a label for it. I didn't know why, but here I was in this healing garden and I was doing some meditation and I decided to walk through the labyrinth. Now, I know nothing about walking through a labyrinth. And I've, I've come to realize that there's no right or wrong way. You just do it and you just go with whatever moves you. And the experiences that I had while walking through that labyrinth, I remember coming home and journaling them because I did not want to forget what I experienced. And in many ways, I didn't really even believe what I had experienced. And as I was walking through, I started to see things. Um, I saw leaves falling down, but they were golden leaves. And I remember looking up in the sky just moments before and they were green leaves. But for some reason, I feel that I was being moved to to have this sort of experience. And I, I had taken off my shoes and I was walking on the ground and I started to feel the earth different below my feet. There was different 
stages along the labyrinth where I would feel energy shifts. I would feel a different energy in my body. And it was just the most wonderful feeling and one that I, to this day, can't explain other than it was this just amazing feeling. And at the end of the going through the labyrinth, I remember going back to the healing garden and I touched a tree and I put my hands on this tree. I just held it. I, I believed that the trees were, we were one with, with, with Mother Nature and I just held onto the tree and my left hand almost immediately went white, almost as though there was no circulation flowing through it. And rather than being scared, I just kind of held onto this tree and I was just being very silent in that moment. And I feel, I could feel under my hands the tree breathing. That's the only way I could explain it. I could feel breath within this tree. I didn't want to release, but I, I was actually a little bit in awe, a little bit in shock, and a lot in amazement. And I remember when I finally left the tree, going back to my car and saying absolutely nothing, because I was still, I think, in many ways trying to process it. And since that time, I've continued to get as as much knowledge as I can possibly contain about my own spirituality, whether that be listening to friends or, or acquaintances. And one of the things I found out with along my path is that I found that the people that I spent time with that were not in a similar mindset started to fade away a little bit from my from my day-to-day life. And I found that no matter where I went, um, whether it was a networking group, a business networking group, or whatever, people that were on some sort of a spiritual or mindful path, whatever you want to call it, were drawn to me. And I, I found this quite, um, again, amazement is the only word I can use that I was expecting in particular, I'm thinking back to a, a networking meeting that I went to, and I was expecting all of these business type people to come up and talk about their businesses. And next thing I know, the only people that were talking to me were mindful people, uh, people very vocal on their spiritual path, yoga instructors, meditation instructors, healing masters. And I thought, wow, this is just fascinating. So I, I think... In, in my journey today, and it's, it's, it's always a journey, it's always a new day for me, but rather than looking at it from my perspective of just going through the motions and living day to day, I actually look at each day now and think, hmm, what amazing thing is going to happen in my life today and where is it I need to be so that I can be the best that I want to be. And, you know, Martin, you talked about your core drivers and I think that you know, for me, it is most definitely coming from my center of love and asking myself, you know, if love is the only thing, what would love do in this situation? And what can I do? And how can I be to be that that center of love and carry that out? And I guess the other one that goes hand in hand with that is giving gratitude and you know, well, I've always been thankful for a lot of things. Today, I look now upon giving gratitude, not just to those really wonderful experiences, but to all of my experiences. Because what I believe I've come to learn is that each experience has shaped me into the person that I am today. And each experience is valuable, whether I deem it particularly favorable or not favorable, it is it is helping to shape me. So I'm, I, I guess that, that gives you a little bit of insight into uh into my my spiritual path, and I'm uh, really excited to continue along this spiritual path and to uh, bring our listeners into the fold so that we can share it with them. Yes, indeed. Oh, well said. I love that. I love stories. You know, they're always so good. 
your stories are particularly good. Um, there's a, I always notice a few people always tell stories so well, and you're one of those. So oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so over to you, Ron. Fascinating stories. I, I'm with you, Martin. I just love the stories that uh, that we can come up with sometimes. Mine is a little bit different than everybody else's, as, 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 as it should be. As a child... I was extremely musical and very intuitive, and it was uh, I used at it was one of the reasons why they actually failed me in grade two was because if if they if they sat the biggest mistake they would ever have is to sit me beside a window because I would spend more time astral projecting outside than I would in the classroom. So at that time, of course, they knew nothing about what astral projection was. They all they just accused me of you know you're daydreaming constantly. So come back into the room. So. As a child, I was extremely, extremely sensitive, and this, unfortunately, in my town, was cause for ridicule. So I was persecuted and ridiculed for, for being musical, and of course, along with being musical, I was also persecuted for being gay, and at that time, I didn't even know what that meant. And so my whole high, my whole preschool all the way into high school was surrounded this vacillation of going back between thinking that I was okay um, to thinking that I was not okay and um, embracing that my sexuality back then which was sort of unheard of I guess most people didn't actually embrace their sexuality until their their teens I was I was much younger when I began to embrace the fact that I was potentially you know I was potentially gay so that that whole and of course up here I have to also interject of course being raised a Catholic there was a great deal of unsupport with regards to being gay so a lot of uh, I didn't talk to, to too many people about this, and it was always it was always buried within me. It was until oh, I think I must have been about eighteen is when I actually decided I would come out of the closet. And by then, the unsupport that I had with the the Catholic faith, I decided at that point that I would become an atheist. So for about maybe two years. I flatly refused to believe anything with regards to God being a part of my reality, and this created such a huge, a huge hole in my life. There was just just a lack of of, of purpose, and I during those those early years of being an atheist. This is when I moved into Toronto and was very well exposed to the gay community here in Toronto. And you know, back then, life in the gay bars in Toronto was amazingly fast. It was, it, it, being gay meant that you didn't have to worry about um, getting anyone pregnant, for instance. And the only trans, the only diseases that you really had to worry about back then was things like uh, gonorrhea or perhaps syphilis or even hepatitis. But all of these could be could be cured or at least controlled through through the drugs. So the whole attitude back then within the gay community was live like there is no tomorrow. And it was a extremely fast, very, very fast. And then the whole AIDS epidemic hit. And this here, uh, um, within the within the space of perhaps two to three years, I ended up losing both my best friends as well as possibly up to 30 people 
in a two-year period of which I had been partying with, of which I had been going to the gym with, um, and it was all very, 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 very devastating. And this is where I was, you know, I was at that point uh, truly beginning to look for meaning in life. And this is, this is where I was introduced one day to a book called Seth Speaks. And it was a channel book. And at that time, I knew nothing about channeled material or anything. One of my best friends who had had um, died of AIDS uh, just was at least there for me on my awakening path. And the way he actually came about through his awakening was, I, I believe Shirley MacLaine had a book out. I can't remember what the name of the book was. Um, and then she produced a film called Out on a Limb. And in this book, she began to speak about reincarnation. And that's when uh, the, the whole concept of reincarnation was completely foreign to me, of course, because being raised a Catholic, that, you know, you have one life and this is it. So the concept of reincarnation, this Eastern this Eastern concept, was completely foreign to me. It really didn't fit at all, at all, at all, until I began to read the Seth material. And, you know, it, it, it was it's quite interesting there came a moment within reading the first chapter in this book where something amazing happened. There was an energy that hit me in the center of the chest, in the heart, that was so strong and so pervasive. I remember about a two-week period after this initial burst of frequency hitting hitting me, I would, I would walk around completely with this huge big smile on my face and this sense of everything is going to be okay. And then one day I remember watching a news article on television where they were talking about a murder and they were victim, you know, the, this whole victim victimizer consciousness. They were really coming down hard on the murder, uh, on the murderer. And I looked, I, as I was watching this, I felt as an equal amount of love for both the victim as well as for the murderer. And that at this time, did not make any sense to me. And that completely surprised me to the point where it actually it ca it caused fear. I didn't understand what this meant. And I remember at that point, I mentally shut down the energy in that in the in in the heart area that was it was just brewing it felt like it was just brewing so i shut it down but it was enough that it propelled me into reading everything i could get with regards to the seth material and then i got on to reading anything i could get with regards to any kind of channeling that i could get my hands on as well as non-channel material. So I, you know, I was investigating just about anything from Robert Monroe's out-of-body experiences to uh, the, the Theosophical Societies and Alice Bailey's work. And I, I, I couldn't get enough of it. And that's all I wanted to do. It was interesting. I would always end up going back to the Seth material because I always found that the Seth material spoke directly to my intelligence. It was the most intelligent information that was considered channeling that I'd ever come across. And even to this day, I look back and during this entire period in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, anything that came out as, as channeled material at that time, I would always compare it to the Seth material and none of it, none of it came close to the the intelligence that the Seth material provided. So uh, the Seth material was indeed a really strong proponent in my in my development 
uh, of of coming back into a spirituality that embraced, you know, a god. There was a time, however, that you know there was the one problem that I had with books was that you could you could read a book, but you could never ask it a question and get an answer from it. So you all you were always victim to what the book wanted to tell you. You all, that that was the only there was no interaction. So I just remembered in a meditation because I was beginning to meditate at that time. But in a meditation, I continued to ask for a teacher, and I, you know that I wanted a physical teacher so that I could actually in like begin to be taught that. I wanted real-time teachings. And, you know, there's an old saying, an old theosophical saying that goes, when the pupil is ready, the master appears. And that's exactly, exactly what happened with regards to my next experience. This is when I finally met Grandmother Parisha, a spiritual medicine elder of the Tasalagi Cherokee people. And this is where my introduction into the mystical world of the native indigenous people began. And this was something that was a complete surprise to me because it was up until then, I was looking for, you know, my world typically revolved around, you know, the channeling material and whatnot. Rarely did they ever introduce the subject of native indigenous spirituality. Even as a child, we had a native community just outside our town. And I never... I was never interested in the native spirituality whatsoever. And on top of that, on my mother's side, we have native indigenous blood, Canadian, on, uh, I'm from the Métis. And even that, realizing that, never made me want to investigate. So it was a complete surprise to me when I was introduced to Grandmother Parisha. And it was funny because at, at I believe her first... Her first show or, or conference was on reincarnation itself, and I just remember waiting for her. I had heard about her through a friend, and I went to the conference. And of course, you know, I had my arms crossed, and I was, you know, I was waiting to be convinced. Is, is the attitude that I had, and I just remember when she first walked in, and my expectation of what a native should look like was not anywhere near met by what I was, you know, what grandmother Parisha came in and I you know I was expecting the the dark hair the distinctive bone features the structure of the bone features and and whatnot and here was this jolly wonderful happy woman completely white skinned very very pale skinned with with amazingly bushy red hair and I remember sitting there going yeah sure this is the native elder come on come on but you know guys it was within maybe 10 to 15 minutes of listening to Grandmother Parisha speak, when I realized I was indeed in the presence of a master, there is just something when you're, when you're in the presence of a master, it's, a, it's an emotional felt thing that simply draws you to this person. It speaks to every cell of your being and simply, it, you know, it, it, it electrifies you. And this is exactly what occurred with Grandmother Parisha. I wanted to know everything that I could and it wasn't so much that I wanted her to her tea. I wanted to become Grandmother Parisha. That's the best way that I can I can um, I can describe it. And so, the introduction into the Native Indigenous world of medicine began with you know the sweat lodges, um, which we called the sacred rock lodges. We had uh, fire dancing and vision questing, and the probably the most important of the teachings was the medicine wheel teachings. 
and the most important uh, of all of the ceremonial perspectives of the Tosalagi Cherokee was being involved in the Sundance. All this from an authentic, you know, traditional perspective. These were the years that were filled with amazing times, full of love and laughter and cozy moments, almost like when we'd all huddle together under our medicine blankets, eyes glued to our beloved grandmother's face as she told stories of the old ones and of, the, of, of times long gone. It was, it was a magical time, magical. But it was interesting, you know, there was still, in all of the teachings that grandmother would have there was still something missing to me my soul was still yearning to communicate to me something something else and although grandmother's teachings were magical and mystical but in all of this i kept yearning for the science of it i knew somewhere out there there had to be the science of spirituality and this was what i began to look outside you know grandmother's teachings for and this was when i came across the freedom teachings as scribed by Ashayana Dean. This was, oh, I think it was in 1998 when the first, her first, I picked up her first two books. The first one was the uh, Voyagers One, uh, The Sleeping Abductees, and uh, which dealt typically with the unenlightened Zeta presence on our planet. And at that time, that also was a whole new area of discovery with regards to my spiritual explorations, that there could possibly be a whole, the whole world of the extraterrestrial. Uh, the, where where did this whole concept stand with regards to spirituality and creator? So, Ashayana Dean in in her book in these in these books began to introduce to me a whole new world that encompassed the entire cosmos and not just the human race. So this. So that was the first book that I, I enjoyed, but it was the second book that impacted me the most, and that was uh, Voyagers 2, The Secrets of Amente. This is where she, she gets into the science of, of creation, where she talks about uh, stargates and the stair-step the, the stair creation model of a massive cosmic multidimensional universal structure. And, and to our and and even talked about our race's inception, how we were created, which, by the way, fit directly into many of the teachings that Grandmother uh, Persia had given to me. So I found there was a support there, and albeit the scientific teachings went into into detail far, far, far more than Grandmother's teachings. There was still, it was almost like a stepping stone that seemed very natural to me to embrace. So this is, since 1998, I have been following Ashiana Dean's material with regards to the, you know, her ascension teachings and life within a 15-dimensional time matrix and the whole science behind all of that. Um, and to this day, I'm still ensconced with trying to understand it all. And, and there is a good deal that I know, but, you know, guys, the more you know, the more you don't know. And that's, you know, it's, that today is basically where, I, where I, I'm at with my spiritual development and where it's heading. Wow. That's all I can say is wow. Uh, to all those stories, um, you know. Double wow. It, double wow. <laughs> it, is, it is amazing. One of, the, one of the things you said that, that struck me is in, 
in reading the Seth materials or, or, or whatever anyone is involved in reading that, that resonates with them. That's wonderful. Because today, you know, there's there seems to be so much of a lack of awareness and knowledge out there. It's almost as though we've been pushed into not going there. But it is so important to expand who you are through knowledge and awareness and, and it does expand your energy and who you are, that it's very important to explore these things and not just dismiss them out of hand. Now, if you read something and you just down deep don't agree with it of course you dismiss it because we're all unique uh -huh. and we all end up where we're supposed to go uh -huh. but i wanted to add that i like that story ron but one of the things that i that turned my crank in many ways was the neil donald walsh conversation with oh, books yes Absolutely. i was i was enthralled when i read them i i have never read any set of books that resonated with me so well very revealing. Very yes. revealing. Yes. Yes. Yep. And and it's interesting. People, you know, I've I've told people that I was when at the time I was reading a conversation with God book, and they said, "Well, what does that mean?" And I said, "Well," and I explained that he was having a conversation with God, and and he was writing down, asking, writing down questions, getting the answers, and automatically writing them out, and he put them all into books. They said, "Well, that's all fine," and you know. I, I like some of it, but why would he put it all under the false gauze of uh, he was talking to God? <laughs> and, and I found that fascinating, that people just automatically dismiss it. And I find that a lot of people who haven't experienced something tend to say, oh, it's not true because I haven't experienced it. What I would like to say is that it's interesting that we go there, and I don't quite understand it, but it's important to not dismiss what other people say. It is their experience. And it really should not, uh, you know, be in anyone's purview to call someone else a liar because, because it's not what your experience is. Everyone experiences different things. And for all we know, next year, we may experience the same thing and go, oh my God, why did I call them a liar or what have you? And, and that's the awareness and opening to knowledge is there is so much to learn and so much to experience. Mm -hmm. Taking the attitude that we haven't experienced means it's not real it is to me very close-minded in many ways. Very limiting. Yes. Yeah. I would agree. You know, um, I think as we've all shared with our listeners a little bit about our path and some of our experiences and some of the, the, the masters and teachers we've looked to, I think one of the important things, and both of you have hit on it, is the importance of our, of us having our own independent thinking. Yes. And I, I think that I encourage everyone, and myself included, because I think that early on in my path, I, I think I would listen to something and say, oh, well, you know, they told me, therefore, it must be true. It doesn't make sense to me, but therefore, it must be true. And now I look at it and think, wow, that was an interesting perspective. It may or may not have resonated with me, but I have the choice and my own free will to do the research, to seek out the knowledge, and do my own independent thinking. Yes. You know, and to add to that, we have a planet of almost 7 billion godlings on the verge of discovering that each and every one of us is a god in our own right, and that we each and every one of us have the ability to create fantastic realities. What will the Earth look like when the entire planet is awake to our potential. And this is where I look at, we have a tendency to think that oneness seems, seems to be the sameness 
are looking for the sameness in everybody. And I look at that and say, no, that's the complete opposite. Oneness means embracing the individuality of each one of us, knowing that my story is going to be completely different and, and to your story, Karen, and to mm-hmm. Mark's story. And the end result will be three distinct separate reality fields that that could potentially not have any similarities between all three of them. So the idea is not to look for similarities in so much in each each other, but to celebrate the differences. This yes. is where yes. we need to what we need to look for. Well, you know, to me, it only it's common sense in many ways because if you look at the non-spiritual world, and I shouldn't say it, if you look at the world that delves into just science and what they like to call pure fact, yeah. You will get someone who is a strong mathematician, someone who is a strong on physics, someone strong on chemistry, someone who's strong on biology. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows all of that. Right. So we trust on each other to bring our own experiences and knowledges in to give us a further understanding of something we're not fully versed in. The same should be happening with spirituality. Mm-hmm. It, it, to, to stick with one set of, of dogma and and story and say everything else is false is is like saying oh there's only physics who cares about chemistry biology have nothing to do with me in life is is doing the same thing so i don't understand this lack of opening up to accepting and listening to other people's experiences and stories on spirituality because we automatically allow it on everything else and, and that's the that's the great contradiction. It's a good point, Martin. Yeah, and there's there's the other side to that too. Is like where people are can tend to be afraid that if they're presented with an idea that they don't agree with, they instead of saying, "Okay, well, I simply don't agree with that. I'm not. I and therefore it, it is wrong." They sim- and they judge it. They have a tendency then, of course, whatever you judge, this is a free will universe. So whatever you judge, you're going to have to eventually release the judgment in order to continue your growth. Mm-hmm. So, but people have a tendency to want to judge, and that's this is where everybody runs into the problem of judging what they don't want, rather than saying and looking at this. Okay, well, I don't agree with this particular perspective. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to put it aside, and see, and eventually. Maybe that I will come around and there's a piece of wisdom that I don't have currently have that will shed new light on this and will make me understand it better. But this is where most people will refuse to do that. They will absolutely judge something as being wrong. And then they, they've, they've limited themselves completely and they've created the problem. They, because of that judgment, they have, they've stopped the flow of love and creation coming into their, into their, into their reality fields. So in a free will universe, you don't, you don't, understanding what you don't want to support doesn't mean that you have to judge it. It just means that you don't, you, you simply don't support it. You look for things that you wish to support. And that is what you're, you're going to bring into your reality. All the other stuff, you simply allow. Everything is to be allowed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that makes really good sense. You know, I think you said earlier, Ron, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. And I think that in many ways, what you just said there is, is very symbolic of, of just that. So when you hear something or you find out something that doesn't quite resonate with you, for me, it's, it's around absolutely don't judge it. But I might, as you said, set it aside. Mm-hmm. And I've done this on many occasions. And I'm 
and I, I'm fascinated to see that, you know, months or years down the road, I'll look back at a particular situation and go, wow, I actually thought that was a bunch of bunk. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. I'm not sure it's bunk, but I, I think it's bunk. And I, I think, you know, yeah, it doesn't really quite, but I'm going to set it aside. And I'm thinking of one thing in particular that resonated with me later on. And if, if I might just quickly share it, it was um, actually, Martin, you had told me about an incident that uh, you had come across and you had, had got a message from a, from a loved one. And I remember you sharing that with me and I thought, that is so cool. Not sure I really understand it. Not sure I really get it. Not sure it resonates with you, but that, wow, that's cool. And I literally set it aside. And, you know, years later, I, I remember calling you up, Martin, and going, okay, never you told me this story. I actually wasn't really sure where it was all coming from. I believed you. It wasn't I thought you were lying, but I just didn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I had this aha moment going, oh, now I understand it. Glad I didn't toss that out with the bathwater type thing. So, yes. yes. Yes, and, 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 you know, it's very interesting that, as we were talking earlier, there's so much fear and mistrust these days, and a lot of people seem to be heading into those, I call, mind wall traps, where they just won't look at anything else. Yeah. And by doing that, I hope everyone that's listening realizes that when you do that, you're allowed to do it. By all means, you have free will. Yes. But if you wish to truly expand who you are and become the great divine being that you are in essence everyone is that putting up mind walls against any other notion or thought will prevent you from getting there as quickly as you could so it's not that you can't eventually get there and, mm -hmm. and everything is is perfect and necessary the way it is but you are your own creator and you do have free will and all i can say is that the more you open up your mind to new things the quicker you will expand into who you wish to become. Mm -hmm. And and it's all a matter of, if I can put it that way, speed. <laughs> uh, we can, we can um, as many masters through history have told us, you can do it in a lifetime if you wish, mm -hmm. or you can do it in a hundred. Yep. But why wouldn't you want to do it in one? Mm -hmm. and, and that's really what gets to the heart of the matter, is that, that when you do that, you're deliberately slowing yourself down from getting there quicker but I must say at the same time it teaches you valuable lessons when you understand it that you wouldn't be the person you are without them so it's a double-edged sort of dichotomy there mm -hmm. but it is important to realize that if you can begin to open up your mind more to new things and notions that resonate with you not just anyone's because someone said it mm -hmm. something that your intuition is telling you there's something to that i don't know why uh, let that flow come through don't mm -hmm. turn off your intuition and that will help speed you on your way to expanding to become greater and greater being if i can put it that way mm -hmm. and it's it's all our own choices but I would give that advice as being a wise route to go. Oh, yeah. There, one of the things Grandmother Parisha used to say to us is don't let anything come between you and the sun. And that the most important thing in life is to make that reconnection back to your soul and your spirit essence. There is nothing, nothing more important. So I would look at that and go, well, what about my job? I have to eat. And there would be all of the elements of physical life that would come screaming back at me saying, you know, what about me? I, I, you, you can't ignore me as being important. And I began to look at that. And what I really, truly began to understand it, it, it was all of the physicalness that life gives to you. 
the jobs, the careers, the, the, the marriages, all of this can be a path of joy if you continue to, to place your spiritual nourishment above everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and as I always say, is come from your heart. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I always do is I, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't always do it, but I try to, is use the filter of love to determine your best route forward. Ah. And also with information that's coming in. If someone is telling you something that creates separation, division, hate, or blame, or victimhood, look at that and go, where's the love in that? And, and look at it and look at anything in the message that does resonate some love and brings in what I call the parts of love, which are joy, unity, understanding, and freedom for people. Mm. And take those parts and say, okay, that makes universal sense Mm. to me coming from the center of love. And in every message, there's usually, no, I shouldn't say, again, I've done it, sorry, in many messages, there are are parts of it that do resonate from a center of love and parts that don't. And usually that's just, you know, low self-esteem or they have an agenda or they're, they're, they're trying to convince you of something that you, you don't believe is, you don't feel is true and your intuition is telling you otherwise. But usually in, in most of the messages, there is something in there that, that does resonate with love and you can take that from an understanding point of view and move out with it. And it's, I always say just filter from the center of love and it won't lead you astray. Because if you're intuitively coming from your center of love, it won't lead you astray. At least I have never found it ever to. I don't know about Karen Ron. Do you believe that as well? I mean, oh, absolutely. Seems- yeah. For me, I'm sorry, Karen. I just wanted to. I, the one thing that I have learned with my spiritual path, where I what I ended up learning from Grandmother Parisha was an emotional based understanding, as opposed to a scientific based understanding. And even though my wholehearted desire to want to understand the science of it all, I would look at that and, see, and say, you know, intellectually, you know, the, the third dimension and the, and, the, and the mental field is important, but it's what still trumps this is coming back to that, as you say, Martin, coming back to that center of love and coming from the heart and, and, the, and the emotional understanding of that mm-hmm. still overshadows the, sci- the science. The science seems to expand it, but what makes it comes al- Make what makes it come alive will be your emotional understanding of things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I think, and I couldn't agree more with what both of you are saying. I think my experiences have been, you know, when I, when something triggers me or when I want to say something, I now, as often as I possibly can, take a bit of a deep breath and say, okay, if I'm truly coming from my center of love, how would I respond to that? And I'm very much aware, whilst I'm not always good at always carrying it out, I'm very much aware that some of the things that escape my mouth are coming from a place of, uh, you know, as you put it, Martin, maybe maybe a sense of low Mm self-esteem, fear, you know, whether that be fear of loss of love, fear of rejection, fear of the unknown. But when I can actually take that step back and say, okay, if I'm truly coming from my heart center, what would I say or do now? Yes. Very rarely do I have to take back those words. Mm-hmm. Or very rarely do I have the urge to want to take back those words. Yeah. And on that note, I should uh, let you know that it's our five-minute oh countdown to the end of the program. So oh my goodness. I know. It goes quickly. One of, the, one of the things on that, with everyone, especially politically these days, moving into to the various camps or religiously, because we see that around the world, mm-hmm. either way, 
I find it interesting that people will support one side regardless of what they say. Mm-hmm. And there's a definite not coming from your heart and intuition and looking at it to see whether it, it makes sense. And one thing I wanted to add on that is, is in making sense and coming from your center of love, this is all predicated, of course, on the premise that I would assume most people want peace and harmony in our world mm-hmm. and, and don't want all the strife and anger and wars and everything else. Mm-hmm. So if we do really want peace and harmony in the world, you have to begin looking at the route that takes us to peace and harmony as opposed to discord and hate. And, you know, if, if you do want discord and hate, well, that's your call. But <laughs> if you don't and you want peace and harmony, then, then the only way to do it is to look at anything and say, where is that causing separation, discord, harmony, blame, victimhood, all that stuff? Mm-hmm. And filter it through that sort of outlook. Because that outlook is what is, I believe, causing a lot of the world's problems, if not ninety uh, percent of them today. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a matter of what your goal is. Right. If you set in your mind you want a goal of peace and harmony for yourself and humanity, then look at everything that's said in that way. And, and as I and, and we've also talked about the fact that we're all beings under construction. Yes. So we are all going to be changing our, our opinions and our outlook moment by moment by moment as we continue to evolve higher and higher up the oscillation scale. So with that in mind, know that you're going to have these moments where, what Karen was saying, where she, you, you seem to slide back into the shadow self, and then you'll make another push towards uh, towards the light. And in so doing, there are certain elements in the, 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 the shadow self that you briefly looked at that seems to have been released. So it's always a matter of looking at something in order to release it from yourself. And it works. You will find yourself elevating to certain plateaus and then having a completely different outlook on what you once looked at before, having a completely different opinion and understanding of where of what that meant to you. Sorry, go ahead, Karen. I think one of the things that that touched me there too, Ron, is that, you know, when we talk about coming from your heart center and coming from your, you know, and being non-judgmental and all of those great qualities, I I can just hear people out there saying, okay, that's great, but my situation deems that, you know, this person in my life is being horrible. I think for myself, what I try to look at is they too are on their path. So whatever their path happens to be, it's not for me to judge it, but nowhere do I ever say that I have to keep someone or something in my life that no longer serves me. I can release that person or that incident that no longer serves me and wish them well along the rest of their path. So it doesn't, I think sometimes when, at least for me, when I first started down this road of being a little bit more aware, I would think, well, gee, doesn't that make me a pushover? Doesn't that mean people are just going to walk all over me? No, I have free will and I have the choice to release that that no longer serves me as well. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's really interesting the way people, you know, and I, I know we love family and we love, you know, our religions or we love whatever, our community and our political base. But in all of that, it doesn't matter whether it's family or a partner or whatever, if they're no longer serving you and they are causing you massive problems that are contrary to who you are, let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's a very tough thing to do because we've been taught to do otherwise. But I would agree with you. Let them go. Yes. With love, of course. Of course. The whole thing about being 
self-sovereign is all about is uniqueness of it all. Every, everybody has a place. Everybody's got yes. a story. And like Red Mother Pierce says, everybody has a unique fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And that, and it, it, because of your unique friend, you deserve to be here. So, yep. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Well, it was, it was interesting because the other day I was, um, you know, going amok. And I got a thing in from the Neil Donald Walsh course. Okay. And I thought it was so profound, Martin. And I, I want to, at some point in time, talk on one of our shows about there are no such things as coincidences. Right. But and it was just a regular email. I think he's got another um, course coming up. Yeah. And within this course, he was going to give away the three secrets right. that he sort of, you know, composed. And I thought, oh, my gosh. So I, I picked it up and I, I started to I, – I missed it a couple of times. And it was a pre-recording and it came through. And his three points were your growth process is never com- – is complete – uh, nothing is going wrong in life, nor has it ever, mm-hmm. and you are not alone, yes. and you will start seeing God's messages everywhere. As a matter of fact, if you're listening to this right now, perhaps that's the message that's being sent to you. I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. and it, it just, and when you started talking about conversations with God, I thought, oh my gosh, everything just kind of kept flying into my head, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, this is so, so right on the mark every time. And I sent a sent an email back just saying thank you, but how timely it was this came out, and I just said thank you, and of course I got an automated response back, which I thought was so cool. Thank you for your inquiry, <laughs> and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And I got to tell you guys, within 24 hours, I had an email saying thank you very much for your note. We really appreciate it, and Neil will definitely see it. However, he probably can't respond to all of them, but he will feel your appreciation and thank you for taking the time to send this. And I thought, wow. Oh, yes. fabulous. Yeah, that's very good. Well, this has been really engaging, gentlemen. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it as much as we have. Yes. And, you know, on that note, we do, of course, thank our listeners more than we can say. Because without you, we wouldn't be here. And we do love to have your comments on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Sovereign Self. And we will be back again next week. So have a good week. Have a wonderful week until we meet again. Have a fabulous week. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash sovereign self. See you next week.